Today's New Testament reading is the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 23rd chapter. And as they led Jesus away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross, to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and of women, who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren, and the wombs that never bore, and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and saw the tomb and how his body was laid, 
Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath they rested, according to the commandment. This is the word of the Lord. For today's meditation on God's word, we welcome Pastor Duncan McClellan. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But how could he? A righteous God cannot overlook the sins of unashamed, unrepentant, bold sinners. To do so would be to forfeit his righteousness and make a mockery of the holiness that defined him to his people and that he had required of all people since giving the first command to Adam and Eve in the garden. To cry out to God to forgive others is a noble enterprise, but without faith in a God who forgives sins and with repentance, there can be no forgiveness. Remission of sins cannot exist alongside rejection of the Son of God. Jesus is asking for the impossible. The sign over his head mockingly proclaimed, This is the King of the Jews. What was meant as a warning to any Jew who would question the sovereignty of Roman rule over their holy land, ironically proclaimed the truth. The righteous ruler of God's people is the one who would unconditionally lay down his life for them. The last gasp of a dying man interrupts the venomous insults of the soldiers and people coiled around the foot of the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. A flicker of faith in a dark sea of unbelief. This thief perceives the truth. Jesus is king of the Jews, his king, and death by crucifixion is the throne from whence he reigns. This is where Jesus exerts his kingly power over that which stands opposed to him, sin, death, and the devil. Jesus grants the dying thief his last wish today. He will be with him in paradise. Attention turns back to the request Jesus has made to his Father. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. The one thing that can make atonement for those who put the Son of God to death is the death of the Son of God. Only the blood of the Son of God can appease the justice of a holy God for the sins we have committed against him. His blood is sufficient to atone for the sins of those who shed it. The death of the King of the Jews makes the impossible possible. A holy God forgives sins. Dear Christian friends, the story of the crucifixion of Jesus is one that we tell ourselves over and over annually on Good Friday, and that should lay the foundation for every law gospel sermon you hear in church throughout the year. It is the sacrifice the Old Testament system pointed forward to, and is a fulfillment of the Proto-Evangelion, the crushing of the head of the serpent, a gospel promise older than death itself. Every pastor knows it is a great privilege to be entrusted with the crucifixion text for purposes of proclamation and teaching. In the crucifixion of Jesus, we see the severity of the sin we have inherited from Adam. It is so great that it delights in the death of its creator and redeemer. We are capable of unimaginable evil. We cannot save ourselves from a holy God. We need the impossible. We need him to forgive our sins. But in the crucifixion of Jesus, we also see the impossible becoming not just possible, but a guaranteed reality. And yet so many people ask that question, how do I know I'm saved? 
Many in the Church are told they need to accept Jesus into their heart, pray a prayer, or even demonstrate a gift of the Spirit to assure themselves of their salvation. Others are told they have to achieve a certain level of moral perfection in order for their sins to be forgiven, while still others are plagued internally by the devil and their own doubts. For all of them, the answer is the same. Look to Jesus, his suffering and death. You see, the problem with adding something to what Jesus has done and saying that without it there is no forgiveness of sins, life and salvation, is that you are telling Jesus that he is either unwilling or unable to save you completely. That he could save you, but is willing to have you suffer the eternal torments of hell unless you claim to have invited him in, prayed a prayer, or jumped through any number of pious hoops. Or that he really wants to save you, but just doesn't have the power to do it, that you must finish what he started, that you are able to do what he cannot. But this is not the Jesus that we see on Good Friday. The Jesus who voluntarily hung on a cross outside of Jerusalem on the day the Passover lamb was slaughtered. The Jesus who healed the sick, cast out demons, and raised the dead, certainly has the authority and the ability to do what we cannot. The same Jesus who spoke the words to the thief on the cross, truly I say to you today you will be with me in paradise, is both willing and able to save you completely. He has done the impossible, and your sins are forgiven by a holy God, to whom be all glory and power, now and forever. Amen.